And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal. But man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting. You know, there's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the USA. Well, wait a minute. That is America. We are the USA. I'm sorry. I've got balloons on my mind. Uh, and a- <laughs> around the world, we are Red Eye Radio, 86690 Red Eye. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want. If you can't, listen to one of our great radio stations live overnight. I'm sorry, but I was just reading this. I'm just, I can't stand this. I didn't think that there was anything that could be more damaging on the, on balloon gate than the mm. president turning around twice yesterday and walking away and mm. not really answering any questions. Right. But he was listening to the questions, though. And then he was like mm. turning and stomped off stage. And we just went, wow, it's horrible that they're doing that. And they allow him, that they allow that to continue to happen as the press is screaming. And it's multiple press voices screaming. Are, are your actions based on the fact that you're compromised by the Chinese? It's like, oh, man. Now, why didn't they do the play where, you know, they usher all of the, uh, the, the, the media out of the room while he stands there with a blank look? Yeah, they didn't. That, that, that I, isn't I don't, good either. Though, I that. really would love to know why they choose to do that at times and, and then why they just allow him to turn his back because, twice. Because most of the time those, that's not in a press room. That's in, like the uh, it's offsite, yeah. Okay, it's or that or, makes sense. or it's somewhere in the White House when he's when he's talking to international leaders, and so they're continuing the discussion, and then they escort. Well, there was one. The, what was they it last the pre- week? And it was something. Yeah, but it, I think it was offsite or somewhere else in the White House. Yeah. yeah, it was somewhere else in the White House, I believe. He was talking to some international leader, and then they just, or no, no, they, he was having a conference with people. Hmm. It wasn't international leaders. He was just having a conference. So they hold a little press gaggle beforehand. Mm -hmm. Then they start asking questions and they escort them all out. Mm -hmm. Gosh. (laughs) Well, I couldn't do that job because I'd feel like a cattle. Well, I I feel like I'm I'm a prop at that point for the White House. I'm I'm waiting for, you know, uh, someone from Yellowstone on horses to come through the room. You know, yeah, come on, get out, get out. I mean, it was it was so bad yesterday until this story came out. Yeah. Bottle cap balloon brigade. An Illinois balloon hobby group 
not to be confused with the 1910 Fruit Gum Company that did yummy, yummy, yummy in the 60s. Mm. But the Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade mm. claims that its $13 weather balloon last pinged near Yukon on February 10th, hours before the F-22 brought down a UFO in the same area. The, excuse me, mm. the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. Not to be confused, confused with, with the, the Eastern Illinois or the Southern Illinois or the Western Illinois or the Central Illinois yes. Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. The Northern clubs. Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade reported one of its balloons missing in action around the same time. They now suspect it was shot down. It had been in the air 123 days. Well, here's my question. Uh, did it have maneuverability? Because, remember, they missed the first target. Or they missed the first time that they shot at the target. That's the one over Lake Huron. This was over Yukon. Oh, this is the one over Yukon. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. Yeah. Um. Uh, I don't believe. No, I don't. I think this thing just the this thing just uh, floats and pings, floats and well, yeah, just uh, and floats at some in the point air. it stops pinging, <laughs> like when it shot down. And they uh, they see uh, balloons used by hobby groups like the Northern Illinois <laughs> nineteen ten fruit gum company. Mm often fit the same description. They are usually attached with a small solar-powered payload that transmit location data back to listening posts on the ground. Mm, Typically, these payloads are no larger than a credit card. And did the, do they say how large the balloon is? It's very, very small because they have an advertisement of the kind of balloon that you can get, and it's th- it's 13 bucks. and they show it balloons online. You can buy these... The balloon they used on Balloon Online for $13.33. But I want to make this clear. What did I say the other day that I wish they would call these balloons orbs? Mm. <laughs> the official name of this balloon uh, that the Daily Mail UK has is Orbs 32-inch Silver. And it was okay. on sale for $13.33. All right. Uh, so, uh, far from posing a military or surveillance threat, the balloons launched by hobby groups do little more than relay location data. They float around until they're damaged or brought down by bad weather. This one was airborne for 123 days and 18 hours before it stopped reporting its location. It had gone around the globe six times. Hmm. <laughs> wow. That balloon gets around more than Madonna. So you're talking about a 32-inch balloon, mm-hmm. if this is the case, with a credit card payload. Mm-hmm. And you didn't, and you thought it might be a threat? Shoot it down. Now, they're not saying it absolutely is. They're just saying, hey, it ours... It missing about the same time. Missing at the same time. Right? We should ask Canada. If they know anything about the balloon. And I'm looking now, you've seen you've seen the picture 
of me and my high school electronics club. I've shown yeah. that to you. Mm-hmm. Where I'm the only one not wearing glasses and mm. every guy surrounding me has glasses, glasses on and, yeah. and looks like an electric club nerd. Right. Right. I'm looking at, they've got a picture of all these people. They look, they do look much more normal than we did in the electronics club. <laughs> There's some young kids in there and some older people and they just, mm. you know, they all, they all got smiles on their face. All right. You know, and, uh, but yeah, they, uh, did they say what altitude they travel at? I'm guessing they just go all, it just go yeah goes to the jet stream and goes you know and keeps going until weather brings it down or somebody else brings it down. It's been speculated the balloon used for it was a $13.33 silver 32 inch uh mylar balloon hmm. or orb mainly hmm. used for parties and celebrations but sometimes by hobbyists for high altitude flights. Okay. Ron Meadows, the founder of Scientific Balloon Solutions, which makes balloons used by hobbyists, told Aviation Week, I've tried contacting our military and the FBI and just got the runaround to try to enlighten them on what a lot of these things probably are. And they're not going to look too intelligent to be shooting them down. Well, it, it, okay, so, huh. if it's a party-sized balloon, right, you have to know. But it brings up that question that I asked, and the president said it yesterday. Did he order this? Was it a standing order? Did he order it? Did they notice something, and then they contacted him? But he said, I ordered it down. We couldn't take the risk. I ordered these items to be shot down. We couldn't take the risk. 40,000 feet it was at. The last known altitude was at 37,928 feet. Uh, The balloon shot down over Yukon was at 40,000. Okay. They talked to another guy uh, who does the same thing. He uses a $12 foil balloon for his flights, matching the metallic description of the Yukon object. And th- that would explain why they can't find anything on the ground, of course. It's yeah, of course. it's not that big. Yeah. And the payload is even smaller. Yeah. And if you shoot it down, it's just a 32-inch yeah. balloon, which credit card payload, you've got nothing. And if it's over the Yukon, only Bigfoot's going to find it. <laughs> My God. Not a human going to find it. There's no. Uh, the the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade. I mean, that's the best name ever. If you ever wanted to add ju- just that name itself of the group, and then you see the picture. And I, by the way, I'm not coming down on them whatsoever. They just say, hey, we're, this is our hobby. We're having fun doing it. But it just is such an embarrassment to the United States. Well, I mean, no, I mean, just, it, it, it actually it just, puts everything in perspective. perspective. Yeah, that's what it, yeah. Because if you're talking about like, um, you know, a... A larger balloon that would be used for monitoring weather or anything else, then that would be one thing. Okay, it was mistaken for a spy balloon. Hard to mistake something like this, if that were the case, if that's what happened, for a spy balloon. Oh, and then the New York Times story, too. Hmm. 
that said they saw this balloon, the original balloon, yeah, lift off from China. They tracked it the whole damn time, is what the New York Times is claiming. Interesting. Yep. You knew well before it got over American waters, where you should have shot it down before it got over American soil the first time. And you were watching it for a reason. Which means what? My question is, typically, was this allowed? Or the other questions about, are we just learning how to detect these things? Well, that doesn't sound like we're just learning how to detect something. If they knew about it, you know, all the way from its launch, well, then that tells me they know damn well how to detect these balloons. And they know where they're coming from, and they know what they are. Which brings up the question that the media was trying to ask the president yesterday that we've been asking all along, is this president compromised? Is that why his reaction is different? Yeah, that's it's just it's so embarrassing. It's just so no, it is. And I think this, you know, hobbyist balloon uh, from this, if if we find out that were the case. And, and by the way, I really honestly don't believe we'll find out because it's probably going to be very hard to find any remnants of a balloon like that being shot down. Well, what you're going to find out is probably why it happened, because you used a number of missiles you engage, which means there's going to be an investigation by the Pentagon separate from anything in Congress. Mm -hmm. And will the, will the general accounting office look into it? The fact that they used, you know, a bunch of $400,000 missiles. Right. To take this down. I mean, so there will be investigated and the Republicans are definitely going to investigate this. And the thing is, so it's not going to go away until the America wants an answer on it. And like I said, this thing yesterday about the Northern Illinois, you know, <laughs> balloon club, mm-hmm. uh, you know, claiming hey, it might be ours, guys. That just adds a whole different level of well, complete embarrassment. It, well, and because the nature of that story, a, a story like that, it takes it viral. Yeah. It, with a story that's already viral. It adds legs to it. So you've got local media, now national media, paying attention to it because there's interest. Oh, wow. It could have been could have been a balloon club balloon. That's what keeps this story very much in the air. And I don't see this going away because at, you're right. We're going to have to get to the point of, all right, the decision process and what was done. Logistically, how did this go down? Four times in eight days. We know about the first one. The other three were spin. Each one of them. 86690 Red Eye. Tires command a lot of attention. As a top expense for drivers and a leading cause of CSA violations, any tire maintenance practice that can help extend tire life is worth consideration. Consider tire balancing which can set you up for savings and a smoother ride before your tires touch the highway. 
Tire balancing corrects an uneven distribution of weight in tires and wheel assemblies. But the trick is to be proactive and not reactive. Conduct routine tire inspections and pay special attention to any unusual wear patterns. Once unusual tread wear is visible on a tire, its traction and stopping distance is reduced and its lifespan will likely be shortened. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners with specialized coverages for heavy. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. It was in the editor's editorial yesterday uh, in uh, National Review where they put out, indeed, the New York Times has reported that the U.S. government tracked the spy balloon, the original spy balloon, from the time of its launch in late January from southern China and as it moved across the open Pacific. So they knew it was there. So the original story, because remember... The original story was they didn't detect it until it got there. Right. Which is why they brought out, you know, the whole thing that, uh, you know, that, that the, uh, the, the, the planes, or excuse me, the, the balloons that came over during the Trump administration. That's why they floated that story. We'll right. see. Happened during the Trump administration and, you know, uh, also. And they go, no, it did. Well, you didn't detect them. What? I mean, this is, it is such a, and every, as I said, every single day, every single story gets worse and worse and worse. And every day that this happens, Green Jean-Pierre gets up there and says, doesn't answer a question and says, this is the best presidency ever. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just amazing. It's historic. <laughs> God, his plan is working. Uh, historic. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's a, just a complete, it's a, it's a complete zoo. Really is. Uh, meanwhile, the executive editor of the New York Times has urged his staff to calm down and moderate their tone amid an explosive uh, row over the paper's coverage of transgender issues. Joe Kahn uh, wrote to all staff on Thursday telling them their criticism of each other was damaging and unacceptable. Oh, a liberal circular firing squad in the New York Times. Ouch. Uh, the The action began on Wednesday. When uh, GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, coordinated a public letter signed by celebrities and activist groups condemning the paper's irresponsible, biased coverage of transgender people. Mm. They singled out the science team for particular condemnation, arguing that they had set about undermining support for transgender youth by writing just asking questions stories about medically approved best practices for gender affirming health care. Mm-hmm. So since their science people at the New York Times started asking questions, that was unacceptable. Mm. <laughs> no, you can't ask questions. They then they criticized the opinion desk for publishing articles by staff columnist Pamela Paul, insisting the New York Times was wrong to give space for her unfounded thoughts about how LGBTQ people should describe themselves. Another letter also sent Wednesday was signed by a thousand current and former contributors to the paper. (laughs) They want censorship. 
We do not welcome, we will not tolerate participation by Times journalists in protest organized by advocacy groups or attacks on colleagues on social media and other public forums, Khan wrote in response to all of this. The response on Thursday, the paper published an op-ed by Paul defending the stance taken by Harry Potter author J.K. Rowling. Mm. Rowling has been outspoken in her criticism on the transgender issues. Look, I'm, look, the you know where the editor is wrong? Yeah. All these letters and all these people are upset that the New York Times is not continuing in every aspect to be political activists. Right. How dare you ask questions? (laughs) (laughs) And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. We don't give enough credit to signs, and we really should. That sign over there tells you great French fries. That sign over there tells you this is your exit. And look at that legendary sign. It's the Motel 6 sign. It tells you a great night's rest at a great price. Book online at motel6.com and use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Look for the signs. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a great price when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letter CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That's a great deal. And that's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Consider yourself canceled if you don't listen nightly. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. I just love this story. I mean, I love what's going on at the New York Times. I mean, this is absolutely the perfect liberal circular firing squad that we said would be happening. And by the way, we said this would uh, happen over the liberal transgender activist movement, even in leftist circles. We had said this years ago. But uh, the uh, the uh, the editor of the uh, the New York Times... Well, as you know, there were uh, like a thousand, as they say, a thousand different uh, former staff members uh, and and uh, others that had that had uh, worked there. Uh, let me see here. Where is it? I'm trying to find the exact. Eh, trying to find the exact thing here. Here it is. Um, there was a uh, you had a letter uh, was signed by almost 200 people and then. Another letter was sent on Wednesday signed by a thousand current and former contributors to the paper saying there only should be one view on the liberal transgender activist movement. Anything else is unacceptable. And the editor came out and said this campaign is harmful to the paper 
because uh, the protest letter included direct attacks on several of our colleagues, singling them out by name. Participation in such a campaign is against the letter and spirit of our ethics policy. Mm -hmm. The New York Times ethics policy. Sorry, but I can't. I'm going to be laughing when I read this. Yeah. The policy prohibits our journalists from aligning themselves with advocacy groups and joining protest actions on matters of public policy. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are they sure they don't mean requires their writers <laughs> to do that? We also have a clear policy on prohibiting Times journalists from attacking one another's journalism publicly or signaling their effort and their support for such attacks. He defended the newspaper's coverage of transgender issues and people in his note on Thursday. Our coverage on transgender issues includes the specific pieces singled out for attack, is important, deeply reported, and uh, sensitively written. Hmm. Paul, in her article, refers to the new Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling podcast by Megan Roper, uh, a former member of the notorious Westboro Baptist Church, based on the nine hours of interviews with Rowling, which explored her views and the backlash faced by the author. The op-ed states, as Rowling herself notes on the podcast, she's written books from where the very first page, bullying and authoritarianism behavior is held to be one of the worst uh, human ills. Those who accuse Rowling of punching down against her critics ignore the fact that she is sticking up for those who have silenced themselves to avoid job loss, public vilification, and threats to physical safety that other critics of recent gender uh, orthodoxies have suffered. Which is talking about is women. J.K. Rowling is saying women, yeah. women are you know you're you're damaging women here. Right. They can't have that. No. They can't be. For example, when we've said many times before that the liberal transgender activist movement will sit there and say you're you're, you're transphobic, you're transphobic, mm -hmm. and we said fine, let's we wanted to. Do the name calling? You're a femophobe. You're a misogynist. You're against women. Why do you hate women? Why does the liberal transgender activist movement hate women? All right, now that we've both, you know, gotten the name calling out, let's actually discuss the issue. A biological man cannot be a biological woman because a biological man says so. How do we know? Genetics. Argue it. Well, if you don't say that they are, then they may commit suicide because you've hurt their feelings. That's the argument back, right? Mm -hmm. Sorry, doesn't cut it. And I would say we've got a whole other issue to discuss along with this yeah. if you're making that case. Right. And if you're making the case that this type of gender-affirming surgery should be done on children without parents' permission, when you are admitting, when the admission is, you can't have it both ways, when the admission is, that, well, wait a minute, you know what the suicide rate is? Because many transgenders feel like they're a marginalized community where people won't accept and celebrate them. So a conversation is dangerous, but surgery is not. Is yes. not. You can't have that discussion. Look, this is the fear of the left. If, you, if they just can't bully you, they know they can't win the intellectual argument. Yeah. And so they bully you and they name call you as they have no problem rolling over women. No, no. No, I mean, over and over again, this is their fight. 
We don't care about Title Nine. This is Title Nine now. Yep. And in other news, I want to play this audio cut here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pete Buttigieg finally paying attention mm. to the Ohio train derailment uh-huh. and had this to say mm. yesterday. Uh, look, rail safety is something that, uh, uh, that has evolved a lot over the years, but there's clearly more that needs to be done because uh, while this uh, horrible situation ha- has gotten a particularly high amount of attention, there are roughly 1,000 cases a year of a train derailing. So it happens all the time. So come on, let's. Yeah. As he talks about his concern of how important this is, you ignored it. Well, for you over know, 10 days. You know, uh, first Jeez. he tries to throw it at Trump. Oh, well, it's Trump's yeah. fault. Exactly. And then it's, oh, well, it happens all the time. By the way, I did see a lot of analysis. We we broke it down yesterday and said, because we went to the NTSB, mm-hmm. you know, the their early report, and, and said, because he's saying that basically it's about, you know, uh, the Trump administration and the laws passed by Congress uh, about a certain type of breaks. And we're like, we don't find that anywhere in the NTSB report. We find I've I've seen a bearing problem and overweight problems. Yeah, is what right. I've seen. Right. I haven't seen anything about the brake the right. system being flawed at all. And so that one, he was severely criticized for that for throwing it at Trump. But that's what they do. Everything is yeah. And nobody buy, and and eventually Americans go. Are you ever going to take responsibility for anything? Well, and and that's it. And get down to the issue, uh, and at least act concerned. But he's not concerned. No. And 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 this is you know this is exactly what you get from the Biden administration. Basically, it's not our fault. And then, well, it happens all the time. It's been, I'm telling you, and that's getting worse day by day. Well, you know, you see the locals. Um, they had uh, you know a town hall, and obviously, they're livid. The burn off of the chemicals and who was responsible for making that decision. Uh, the cleanup. What is the cleanup? What's the protocol? The concern of whether it's seeped into the water. And and if if not the water, the soil. And when it gets into the air, it bonds with moisture. Which means that uh, the rain, if there's any rain in that area, could be harmful which then gets into the soil, and it's this cycle of who's going to be responsible for the cleanup. And, you know, it seems like what you're hearing over and over again is, well, we're just kind of learning on the fly. But you've got people that are going to have to live with this in in, in the vicinity uh, that are affected for who knows how long. You know, they uh, put out the uh, information that, okay, there was uh, uh, testing on water and everything else, and there was no um, no trace of the chemicals in the water and everything else. And I thought, are you doing a daily testing? How, do you, how can you be sure every second of the day? I mean, honestly, uh, I think it was the governor that was asked the question, what would you do if you lived there? Oh, I'd be drinking bottled water and um, looking for answers. 
He seemed lost. And they absolutely, I mean, you, you look at it and, and um, the rail company, uh, I guess, pledging a million dollars, you know, toward the efforts. But <laughs> you look at something like this, how in the world could it cost just a million for cleanup? And the transportation secretary is MIA and, and then wants yeah. to blame it on Trump. And, you know, that the, the whole gymnasium thing where the mayor was in that asked yeah. with the quite worst Buttigieg. Right. I don't know. Your guess is as good exactly. as uh, mine. I mean, that was brutal. I mean, yeah. it was just this as, you know, the the, uh, you know, the real world consequences are extremely serious and unknown. Right. Right. And unknown. We don't there's a lot that that we don't know. So when you don't know it and these people don't know it. They want answers in the federal government not to be, you know, not to be. Finally, I mean, they're they're finally there, but what, two weeks? Yeah. Right. And then Buttigieg, you know, saying, well, these things happen all the time. As serious as it happens all the time. You can't dismiss it like that. Well, because it's... most derailments do not have this type of consequence. Right. And you, you... Anything that they're doing, all this is spin. It is not an answer for the people on the ground, the locals. You're offering no solutions whatsoever. None. Because number one, the number one job is uh, the cleanup and the protection of the waters and, and the soil and everything else. How do you get all of that done? And also, uh, you're going to have to convey that to those people that have to live with that, that they're safe. To keep living there. Yeah. Just a horrible situation and handled horribly by the, the federal government. Again, we knew it. I mean, he was completely clueless. He's mayor of a small town. He's completely he's got complete, zero. And, and he is, I mean, experience. he's, he's a, he clueless on, on the science of transportation, on everything. I mean, it, they put him in there. That was a political reward. It wasn't because yeah, he was really qualified. Was. Yeah, it in, really was. In, in any way. But I don't know if any Democrat that you put in for Secretary of Transportation when you basically have the Democratic Party wishing to get rid of most modes of transportation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know actually how you serve that office with the philosophy of the Democratic Party anyway right now. Right. Exactly. So. You know, and over and over again, I mean, you know, this um, this fake empathy goes nowhere. Because everything should be about logistics right now, and number one job is to clean up this entire mess. But honestly, after they made the decision on the burnoff, I don't know. I don't even know what that looks like. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if uh, you would like to get in on the, uh, the the show. Well, here we are to a Friday, and now you've got the media screaming, as they were yesterday, are you compromised by China? Yeah. That was really, when you think about it, that really takes everything 
over the last couple of weeks and yeah. how long he took, you know, cause, because how long he took on stage because he first turned around, walked away. The screaming started. He turned and looked and then, uh, you know, would, you know, came back up to the podium and then said, well, I'm not going to answer, you know, because you're not polite. Mm-hmm. And then he turned around, and started walking away again. Somebody yelled another question. He turned around again and just said, like, almost went like, out oh, of hell with you and just walked off stage. Yeah. It was bad, but the, it was the, horrible. But in the first thirty seconds, everybody's you know what you hear is multiple voices saying, "Are you comp? Is you know with this whole thing with the balloon and everything else? Are you compromised by China? Are right. you compromised by China?" Right. That was really the first moment you've heard anything like that. I think that was a very important moment in, in the Biden presidency. You know what's interesting is that going over the media coverage and the liberal media coverage of of the balloon thing, uh, the Washington Post had this thing where. Sounds like they're trying to be apologetic for China. You know, could it been a could it have been a mistake? Maybe they didn't want the balloon to go over the U.S. territory. You know, because it took a turn, and maybe they were trying to steer it away and blah blah blah. And I thought, man, it sounds like the Washington Post is trying to be overly apologetic and make excuses for China. But they also had the the you know the uh, the the history of the surveillance. Of this balloon from the launch. Uh, the other, I was looking at salon.com. It's only a balloon. Yeah, right. There's no big deal. Why uh, everybody's going crazy? It's just a balloon. It's no big deal. Everybody spies on one another. It's uh-huh. like, yeah, okay, try to dismiss it. That's not going to work either. Right. Well, the reason the administration isn't even attempting to dismiss it as nothing is because they know it's something because the first thing they did was try to blame Trump. Right. And there's still a ton of questions there. <laughs> exactly. Was that classified yeah. information that was released? Right. And I mean, now, why didn't you shoot it down? You know, a few days later, you're shooting down who knows what. They don't even, they can't even tell you what they shot down. And you didn't shoot it down until the political, the first one, until the political pressure right. got too bad. And now that the uh, balloon club from Northern Illinois has come <laughs> out and said, that might have been our $13 yeah. balloon. Ours went missing over it, the Yukon about the same time. Wow. Horrible. Just horrible. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Well, it was a zoo yesterday, was it not, Eric? It was. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear part of it. Sir, there's been criticism. There's been criticism that this was. There's been criticism that this. Sir, Mr. President, Mr. President, there has been criticism. Mr. President, there has been criticism that this was an overreaction that was done because of political pressure. You turn my off and ask the question. We have more polite people. Mr. President, why have you chosen Poland for your trip to mark 
anniversary of the war. And what's your message? What? What are you speaking to President Xi, <laughs> Mr. President? Yeah. Now, the, the, the interesting thing is, again, he finishes the speech where we learn nothing new. It was a, it basically gave the timeline. And it, it's sort of like Corinne Jean-Pierre when you ask her a question. You know, she, you would ask her a question on the the uh, the uh, the classified documents, and and uh, you know specifically, you know, why did the president do this? Well, you know, we've been talking about this, and then she'd go and just lay out the timeline again that you already know. You weren't even asking that question, and so that's what they're doing. Just laid out the same timeline. We learned we learned uh, nothing new except the president said yeah. what the Pentagon and his right. spokespeople have already said beforehand. So he turns around and walks away. And then all of a sudden they start, you know, you hear all this screaming and you hear, Mr. President, are you compromised by the Chinese? And you hear numerous voices asking, numerous reporter voices asking that. And he stops and he turns around and he takes his hand and his finger and he puts it up in the air for a couple of seconds. And he stands there as everybody is screaming. And then he walks back up to the podium and he walks back up to the podium and says, come on, give me a break, man. And then uh, he listens for a couple more and then it gets even louder you can hear the voices and more more distinct. And he says, well, uh, I'll tell you in my office, uh, you know, or something about being polite. Then he turns around and walks away again. And then the other reporter screams out another question. He stops again and just sort of turns his head halfway, looks, smi- here's the question, smiles, turns around and walks away again. Mm-hmm. It was a, It was a triple turn your back. Because he turned yeah. it back to begin with. Yeah. Then he came back to the pony, and then he turned it back again. And then he turned his head around again and his back halfway. And then he turned his back around again. And he never answered any of the questions that were asked, even though he heard what the questions were. I mean, it is so bad right now. It it could not get worse. for the, Well, yeah, well, <sighs> wait for it. I, I was wrong in that. Okay. Yeah. I, I apologize. I was mm-hmm. wrong in that. Mm-hmm. It will get worse. Yes. Progressively worse because every day. it's almost as if when you look at it's almost as if it's taunting. I'm hearing what you're saying. Well, let me hear it again. Nah, I'm um, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean that's his arrogance. And, and the reporters are screaming the questions because you won't answer them. And and now they're on to it. We've been asking the question: Is the president compromised? And now they're asking it in front of him to him. They're asking him that question. I'm glad they are. Because it tells you this is going nowhere. Yeah. And then after that, when it when it came out late yesterday, I mean, that this is just, I mean, just the name of it, the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade, a hobby, a balloon hobby club out of, it's the bottle cap that gets to me. I don't know why. That's the that's the what, brigade thing is what the, uh, the, really brings something okay. to my attention. The bottle cap brigade. I mean, that okay, putting yeah. those two, yeah, those words included in there. But the Northern Illinois mm-hmm. bottle cap balloon brigade. When I saw that, I mean, I'm sorry, but that elicits laughter when you see that. Mm-hmm. That they're claiming their thirteen dollar weather balloon last ping near Yukon on February 10th, just hours before that unidentified flying object in the same area was shot down. Right. And so they're claiming that balloon might be ours, and it's a $13, 32-inch diameter, you know, which is like that, about like that, yeah. that balloon for parties. It's for parties and things mm-hmm. like that. But these hobby clubs use these, and they attach a small payload 
the size of a credit card. That's it. It's that tiny. And that's yeah. what they sent up into the air. Yeah. And they're saying, hey, we it might have been us. And it just, it sends it into, it. what it does is it, it makes it go viral, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. And then it makes you ask the question, does anybody, not just the president, does the Defense Department know what the hell they're doing in any way? Well, because uh, and the and the whole idea of being compromised by China, you were willing to give China all this leeway. And now the major liberal media newspapers, New York Times and Washington Post, both reporting that they watched this balloon from the very beginning, the first one. And so when you yeah. look at that, so you let the Chinese balloon go and then shoot down what you're now calling something that's likely the property of uh, private companies or private individuals. So China's balloon, until you're pressured, gets to keep going, but the other balloons don't. I mean, these this is the nature of this whole thing and how bungled it is and what it looks like. I mean, the imagery of this thing is just absolutely horrible. Because it has a viral nature of the little things like we add to it, the balloon brigade. <laughs> and, you know, those those things, everybody, because that will be getting out more and more, right? That's part of the viral nature of it. And, and you see it, and then there's the memes that came out after the first one. And all of this keeps it in the news. And and the the big problem for the president here, well, there's a, a ton of different problems. Is first you had the classified documents and Hunter Biden, and then the the uh, 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 Penn Biden Center, and then the massive, the now hundreds of millions of dollars, men, much of it unknown, uh, uh, donations from China to both the Penn Biden Center and then the other day University of Delaware, which I think it was six point something. Uh, million, including uh, a bunch of uh, uh, anonymous donors from China, uh, you know, when you got involved in that, donating there. And the question is why? And what happened yesterday really was the most vocal and visual yet of that question being asked, Mr. President, are you compromised by China? Is that why the delay for the Chinese balloon? Because you didn't delay on the other ones. You delayed on the one that you knew was a spy threat, and you've claimed, you said you've known was a spy threat, and then, wait a minute, are we shooting down hobby balloons from the Northern Illinois Bottle Cap Balloon Brigade? Mm-hmm. So you've got that, and then on top of that, to end the week for the president, the complete uh, perception of incompetence from the federal government in response to the Ohio train derailment and yeah. Pete Buttigieg. That and the arrogance top. of Pete Buttigieg yeah. and, and his non-response when asked about it first tries to blame Trump and then says, well, you know, we have lots of these. It happens a lot. The question just really, is just really bad. the question is bad. at what rate are we having derailments? The question is, what are you doing about this derailment? Right, right. Because derailments happen, but derailments like this are viewed as much more serious, right? And and uh, you know it could be an environmental nightmare, right? Again, there's a lot we don't know. Well, I think the, a lot of the question is 
I, I think a lot of the response and the emotion is based on the fact that people don't know. They're not getting answers to their satisfaction. Right. And the federal government doesn't seem interested whatsoever in involving themselves into it. And, and they that's did it. over the last two weeks. Well, because then you, you know, you asked the question about, okay, who made, uh, what was, why, why did they make the, the decision for the controlled burnoff of the chemicals? Right. Um, and there are things that fall under Mayor Pete's purview or within his purview. And there are things that don't. First and foremost, as transportation secretary, you want to get to the bottom of why it happened. We're working very closely with the NTSB. We don't have all the answers just yet. There are a number of possibilities as to why this happened, but we will find the answers because the NTSB is the best at what they do. And we'll find those answers. And if we need to make changes, then we will make changes and we will work on that from day one as soon as we have those answers. Why is that so hard to say? And you show up from day one. Right, but the, that's the NTSB is more of the actual train derailment. Why did that happen? Which they want to know, but what they really want to know, because train derailments do happen all the time. You know, why were these chemicals on it, and what did you do once the chemicals spilled? Well, that's, is the that's more my point: question. is that you let the NTSB do their job and go through that, and then say we'll make whatever changes we believe necessary, and we'll start with those changes as soon as we have all the answers from the NTSB. And and that's what you do as transportation secretary, because that right. you're going to do that through your department or whatever, you know, whatever it is. If you're going to change the weight limits, if you're going to change the type of chemicals in terms of hazmat, if you're going to change the routes based on hazmat. Right, because there's there's two concerns. There's concern of how the public views this for future train derailments in their area. Right. And then environmentally. How did they handle, you know, how is this being handled, right. uh, you know, by the, by the, uh, the, the feds and the state government? Because you, you talked about the Governor DeWine and how he responded, and you're like, he responded wrong, too. Well, and that's the thing. You know, you want, to, you want people to be uh, assured, and the governor of Pennsylvania is also involved, you know, basically saying that people that are, you know, Pennsylvanians that are living within, you know, that radius, I think a two-mile radius, he's saying, you know, um, uh, early on, he was saying, uh, stay sheltered, uh, in place and, you know, uh, don't venture out, don't drink your water and all that. And DeWine was, you know, was asked, what would you do? How would you feel if you basically, how would you feel if you were a resident that lived near this? What would you be doing? And he said, I would be, be drinking bottled water and then, um, 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 I guess looking for answers from the media. Well, you can't handle it that way because here's, here's what you can say. We don't put it on the the governors. I don't even put it on Mayor Pete. You can't necessarily undo this, but you've got to be present. You can't change what happened for the transportation secretary. You promised to look at any regulations that might be necessary to prevent this in the future and within your department. And then everything else goes over to the EPA as to, all right, how did the burnoff, the controlled burn of these chemicals was that the proper measure to be taken there? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, with the governors, you're there to, uh, again, uh, make sure that the cleanup is happening properly, but also that your constituents are safe. And I, I think DeWine in his messaging just felt uh, his messaging came off as less than confident. And you need to be very clear. And that is we are testing the waters. Every single day, we're doing everything we can. However, we respect your right as a citizen to take whatever other measures you believe 
are necessary to protect yourself and your family. And if you don't want to drink the water or bathe in the water or use the water in any way, we respect your decision. And, and if you see anything that, that that makes you suspicious, here's the 1-800 number yep. to call. Right. And, and we will have our environmental people out there. And and you know that's that's what you do in these yep. in these cases. Yep. I you know the the the, the problem you know for example a, a Buddha judge when he blamed Trump yeah. and we fact checked it immediately and went wait a minute he's talking about the break I haven't seen anywhere or anything to do with any breaks or what Congress talked about you know new type of breaks or whatever I haven't seen that and we went to the NTSB initial report nowhere and it didn't mention it so he just threw something out and they still believe we can just blame Trump. And we can't even be specific about what we're blaming Trump for. Or if we're blaming something for Trump, we don't even have to check to see whether that was the problem or not. Just blaming Trump is enough. And it's not enough any day. That's why he's in the trouble that he's in. Maybe that would have worked. The first two weeks of of uh, the Biden presidency doesn't work anymore. But really, it didn't work for them on immigration when they were blamed, tr- blaming Trump just two months after People started crossing the border after Biden became president. The polls showed that doesn't work because there comes to a point where people say, don't blame, solve the problem. Well, that's it. And and when you're, you know, playing the political spin, you're doing that for the national scale and you're not focusing on the people that are dealing with the problem firsthand when it comes to this train derailment. They're sitting there. They're freaking out. They don't know. They don't what know. Is safe. They don't know if they could, you know, they're seeing dead fish in the water. Uh, they're hearing uh, things about this chemical. They're learning things about this chemical and what happens when it's released and what happens if you're exposed to it, what happens if it's burned, what happens if it gets into the air and it bonds with moisture particles. And all of these things have them, rightly so, in freakout mode. Anybody would be. And what you need to do is take the reins from day one and say, here's what we have in my department the power to do. Change regulation going forward to make sure this doesn't happen again. But before I can do that, I need all the answers from the NTSB. But trust me, we are following along every single day, and we will get those answers, and we will make every single change that we need to that is necessary. 866-90-RED-EYE. One might wonder why USDA plans to lead an agricultural trade mission this June to a top farm and food export market, Japan. As Ryan Brewster of the Foreign Agricultural Service explains, We signed a U.S.-Japan trade agreement that was signed in 2019. So the last time we had a trade mission to Japan, we didn't have this agreement in place. A trade deal that has given several U.S. ag exports preferential treatment from and increased sales to Japan. The June 5th through 8th trade mission will be unique in that we're going to do a two-city trade mission. So we're going to start off with a visit in Tokyo, and then we're going to move over to Osaka. Applications are being accepted from interested participants like ag trade groups, commodity organizations, and state ag departments through February 27th. Details are available online at www.fas.usda.gov. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. 
Check out all the latest in news, events, trekking information, and podcasts at Red Eye Radio's website at redeyeradioshow.com. President got his physical, and the doctor said, okay, he's in good shape. What about his cognitive abilities? Oh, sorry, we didn't test those at all. You know, that, that's not being tested at all. And then you take Diane Feinstein and then Fetterman yesterday. Yeah. Senator Fetterman, and it's like, does Fetterman have any idea what's going on? Is he in control of his own faculties? He had to go in now for... Uh, uh, depression, yeah, clinical, right. you know, uh, clinic, clinical depression. We know the problem that he had with the stroke. We had said last year, after seeing one of the debates, his family should pull him out of there. Right, uh, and that he had, n- had no business being there. Diane Feinstein, does she even know where she is? Well, right that's now? that was the question yesterday. Business Insider had a reporter, a Capitol Hill correspondent, that was right there watching it was it was playing out, and she asked her aide, uh, "Did I vote?" for that and the answer was no she didn't she wasn't aware of something that had just happened it was just a couple of minutes old and they made a point in business insider to write that it's not the first time that their reporter actually has witnessed that with her so you know it's it was i think it's a very serious situation especially in the wake, and they brought this up in the article that they wrote on it. The fact that they wrote this, you know, posted the article at Business Insider about it uh, just about an hour after it happened was a big deal because they coupled it with what, you know, happened the other day. She, the statement came out that she's not going to run for re-election. And then she was asked about that, and she said, the same day, said, well, that decision hasn't been made when it clearly has been made. Has been made, I know. And so you look at that, especially, you know, uh, can you trust any of her votes? Right. How does right. that happen when a po- person doesn't even know what they're voting? Right. What's the process in Congress to remove them if there is any process? Right. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. The Bonus Show. And he's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Uh, All right, our audio cut of the week. Hmm. Okay. Strictly for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> All right. Because nothing else about this show is for entertainment purposes. This is strictly for entertainment purposes uh, uh, only. Uh-huh. Uh, it did go viral earlier this, uh, this week, really for entertainment purposes only, because it really doesn't involve any type of serious issue, but of course, it has to be Kamala Harris. No exhaust, no diesel smell, the bus has Wi-Fi, and even USB outlets next to every seat. I mean, come on, imagine, you can charge your phone on your way home from work. (laughs) 
She reminds me of a first grade teacher talking to students. She really sounds like she's crying toward the end. Well, this actually does go into a story. Okay. This is from Politico. Yeah. So this does not come from a conservative media outlet, but a liberal media outlet. Ah. Democratic officials will not criticize the historically unpopular Vice President Harris out of fear that activists and social media critics will accuse them of racism and sexism, Politico reported Thursday. So they're aware of what they have created. Yeah, nice. They're very aware of what they've created. All right. If any Democrat ever openly criticizes Harris, Politico noted, leftist gadflies uh, accuse the critic of showing at best racial and gender insensitivity. One House Democrat went so far as to say that no white member of Congress, that's Democrat in Congress, is going to criticize the Veep. Why? Everything is about, as we have told you before, the bigotry of identity politics in the Democratic Party. This is more proof that it is mainstream, as we've said. It is. It's Mm. institutionalized inside that party that you judge people by groups and not as an individual. You cannot criticize the individual of Vice President Harris. You can't criticize her mind. Any criticism, even by a Democrat, is viewed as racist or sexist. Ah, okay. It's where identity politics comes in. You judge people by groups and not as individuals. You cannot say that a woman is incompetent or a woman minority is incompetent, even if she clearly is incompetent. You cannot tell the truth in the Democratic Party. Okay. A large majority of Americans don't share Democrats' fear. (laughs) Oh, according to Politico, Harris has faced record-setting unpopularity numbers with her approval rating last month hovering around 38%. Dozens of staff members, including the vice president's chief of staff and communications director, have fled from her office. Former staffers told the press in 2021 that Harris is toxic and that they are terrified at the thought of her becoming president. Many Democrats, at least in private, also admit that President Joe Biden, who would be 86 by the end of the second term, is too old, Politico reported. Mm. One Democratic congressman, Minnesota's Dean Phillips, even went on the record to suggest the party nominates someone younger. It's absurd we're not providing competition, he said to Biden. Party members agree, according to the Sunday Wall Street Journal, with one Democrat saying, She's worried about Biden's cognitive decline. Most Democratic officials, though, are reluctant to talk about the president's age for fear of not that they will be called ageist Mm -hmm. or that Don Lemon will say they are not in their prime either. Uh. (laughs) But most Democratic officials are reluctant to talk about the president's age and the fact that he should not run because of his age for fear that Harris will take his place. <laughs> so that's why they're all saying, oh, no, he's the guy. He's, yep. Trust us. He's the guy. Nobody else. He's the guy. When Politico asked nearly a dozen Democratic governors if they thought Harris 
would automatically receive the party's nomination in case Biden doesn't run. The entire bunch went silent. The only one that spoke, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, who said, I don't think we're going to go there on that one. Well, that's not a yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because you would say, I mean, if if typically it would be, you know, Yes, right? Mm-hmm. You've got your own party lining up, and then if if not him, her, right? But, oh, oh, we're not going to go there. They don't even want to talk about it. Ouch. One of the things we've been talking about this week is there isn't a major issue that Democrats can win on if they tell the American public their true opinion. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this yeah. many times. You know, mm-hmm. An example, uh, uh, the administration, the border is secure. We all know the border is, is not secure. Corrine mm-hmm. uh, Jean-Pierre, a number of times this week, uh, that the president is, this president has been one of the best presidents ever for the first, you know, two years of any presidency. Mm-hmm that uh in that inflation is coming down mm-hmm. you know we we know that's all that wages are going up we know that's all uh we know all of that is uh is not true and what we've said is democrats really cannot discuss any issue out there they can't discuss the border they can't really discuss uh energy and climate change no and no. this is more evidence headline house democrats refuse to attend border hearing claiming there wasn't consultation despite three weeks' notice. Hmm. Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Gerald Nadler announced Thursday the committee Democrats would not attend an official border hearing hearing next week in Arizona with the misleading claim there was no consultation with them about that. Nadler, along with others, uh, said that in a uh, statement The Republicans made it known. That is absolutely untrue. They have known uh, for uh, three weeks. Uh, The uh, Democrats' claim of a lack of consultation comes after committee chairman Jim Jordan announced to Nadler and other Democrats the dates of the hearing and that it would take place at the border on February 1st, three weeks ahead of the scheduled event and two weeks earlier than House rules require. I think you're going to find this more often that Democrats are just going to lie about the fact that they hear Nadler's line. He was consulting on it. He's lying about it because Mm -hmm. they don't want to go to the border to have a hearing because they know they're going to come out of it looking like manure. Well, and how do they, you know, what point would they be making that that would resonate with the American people? None. During that process? None. And finally, as we have stated before to you that the Wall Street Journal editorial page is conservative, but the Wall Street Journal newspaper is actually quite liberal. Hmm. They came out with this story earlier this week. The Wall Street Journal has suggested because of inflation, and we had brought to you earlier on the show that wholesale inflation up 0.7%. Not your inflation, but wholesale before it hits Hmm. Retail up 0.7% 
the highest since last May. Right. When inflation was through the roof. And now there's really real concerns about it. Well, because of inflation, the Wall Street Journal has suggested that, and we predicted this. We sort of predicted it sarcastically, though, did we not? Yeah. We, yeah. It, was, it was sarcastic. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, it was you know, look, if you, we're always trying to find solutions. Yes. It, we said it was only a matter of time before they offer this solution. Don't eat. Yeah. If you're spending too much money on food because of inflation, don't eat. Skip breakfast yeah. to save money. That was the headline mm-hmm. in the Wall Street Journal. Now, I read the article. They didn't. They just said, you know, uh, uh, you know that uh, maybe, you know, maybe you should skip breakfast in order to save money. They didn't go into details why or whether that was a healthy thing to do. They were mocked just viciously. Oh man, some of the responses was, well, if you want to save more money, skip breakfast and lunch, yeah. and if you want to save even more money, wow, this is really great. Skip breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Now, the incredible thing is, at the same time that the left is promoting that fat is beautiful and that fat shaming is bad and there are no health consequences to being overweight or calorically challenged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they're telling you don't eat. Yeah, skip a meal. Skip a meal. Come on. We're not saying you're fat, but really. <laughs> Those stretch pants you're wearing are working pretty hard. <laughs> Doesn't that get back to, I mean, that's in the Wall Street Journal. I mean, nobody was nobody was that self-aware to sit there and go, hey, dude, no editor. Maybe you shouldn't write that. You're going to be mocked viciously. Because right. what's what's the next thing? How do you save money? Well, um, don't buy your kids clothes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I have one. It could save you quite a bit of money. Winter, you know, right before winter hit this year, because inflation was at its worst. Don't buy your kids jackets. Right. Tell them to rub their hands together. You know, do some jumping jacks. Before they head out into the cold. Who needs shoes? Come on. (laughs) And frankly, we could teach the kids something about intermittent fasting as well. That's right. They don't need breakfast. Intermittent fasting is, you know, many people are into that now. I'm not one of those. Yeah. (laughs) Skip breakfast. Coffee only. (laughs) Oh, and they did make the point at the end of the article. Uh, that if you're going to, you know, have coffee only, but if you're going to have coffee, uh, here's the last paragraph. Breakfast lovers might be better off just having a cup of coffee, but go with roasted, not instant. By the way, who's 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 using instant? Who's, I mean, I've seen the packets, you know, the little, it's like the, you know, it looks like the stuff you mix with a bottled water and you can just, but honestly, is that a thing? Let me guess. Climate change? I don't know. Oh, I thought they gave a reason. Yeah. No, prices for roasted coffee declined by 0.1% last month, but instant coffee rose by a 3.6% monthly increase. Uh-huh. Okay. I remember my mom used to drink Sanka all the time, 
but that was an instant coffee, was it? That was was that a I, coffee substitute? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But who drinks instant coffee? Yeah, I don't. I Do think you know there is anyone. A, there, yeah, there is instant coffee. There's, I see it out there. The packets. really, yeah, yeah. I just don't know who. You mean when like you it. you put it in a spoon, you put it in hot water, you stir it? Yeah, mm-hmm. just like it used to. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. I didn't know that was a thing anymore. Well, I would say with the you know with Keurig. Yeah. You maybe you need to loosen up your schedule if you if if you only have time for dumping and stirring. <laughs> Are you even heating up the water? I tell you, it does work though. When I get up in the morning and I'm and I'm I'm hungry, I have a cup of coffee. It does suppress the appetite for a little bit. Yeah, I saw this guy uh, on YouTube. Here's what I eat in a day. I'm like, okay, I, I guess I got to watch it. <laughs> I guess <laughs> it is YouTube. <laughs> He's, yeah, he, he started. He started with a massive cup of coffee, and it was a French press, and half of the container was ground. I like it really thick, and I thought that's almost a paste, dude. <laughs> okay, maybe you need. Maybe that's why you're not eating much. Different strokes. <laughs> yeah, eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. Well, I'm flying tonight, and I'm flying up towards the Great Lakes, so I'm hoping that the flight gets there. Yeah. I'm going to make sure I tell, don't t- attach any balloons to the tail of the plane. Right, yeah. Make sure that, uh, yeah. <laughs> Good luck. It's just, I mean, did you ever think, I, I have to stop that, because I, I every, every, every day for the last, I don't know, probably, Five, six years I've come in and said, can it get any? Oh, yeah, I can. Yeah, yeah. So no, I just it's, I have it's to stop. going to get progressively I, worse. I just have to stop. And it's a long it. weekend. So it's yeah. going to be so bad by the time we get back. But it still won't be at its worst point because it will continue to get worse. So watch a little bit of Tiger Woods actually golfing okay. and, and pretty good. All right. All right. Well, enjoy your flight. Thanks. Good luck. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Should we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.